You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Have you ever sat down and ranked the planets in our own solar system? Or have you ranked the planets in your favorite sci-fi franchise? Well, if so, or if not, welcome to Systematic Ecology, episode 34, the episode where we share and rank our favorite Star Wars planets. We are the priests to the geeks, those humble, mild-mannered mediators at the intersection of pop culture and faith, and we're super excited to be a part of your listening entertainment today. And uh, TJ, I'll share with you something I've been doing and geeking out on. Just yesterday, I was uh, I went down a rabbit hole. I went down kind of this deep dive, uh, exploring the standard model of particle physics. Uh, with our work of faith and science in uh, our church and then reading the sci-fi novel that, that I've been reading lately. Um, and then I have a member of my church who was actually on the team at CERN that helped discover the Higgs boson particle, the God particle. And, you know, I, I went down this deep dive and spent a couple hours just exploring particle physics and quantum physics and just trying to wrap my head around, you know, the force, the forces, literally the forces that hold and bind the universe together. And so that was super fun. And now I'm super glad that we can talk about my favorite fandom and genre, Star Wars. That's that's incredible. That's awesome. But um <laughs> Like you said, I'm TJ, and uh, recently I've been geeking out on Demon Slayer again. Uh, our friend Stone came over and got snowed in with us, and he had never seen it except when we made him go watch the movie. So we've All just right. been watching through it again, and man, it's good. Gorgeous anime. It, and and that movie's on Netflix, right? Uh, the movie, it's all on Hulu. I think okay. um, just the first season of the show is on Netflix. I don't think they have the movie, but they might. Right. I thought I thought I saw it out there somewhere. It was on Prime or Hulu or something. I was I was looking and and hearing you all talk about that and other folks here on Systemic Ecology talk about that being one of our favorite animes. I haven't gone down that road, but it's definitely on my um, on my stack on my to do list for sure. Oh yeah, it's good. It's gorgeous. Awesome. Well, again, welcome to Systematic Ecology. I'm Will Rose, one of the co-hosts along here with TJ. And um, yeah, we hope that uh, you enjoy today as we, we talk about planets. TJ, I have a confess confession to make. As much as I love Star Wars um, and, and sci-fi, um, when this came up on the schedule, ranking and talking about our favorite Star Wars planets, I, I'll, I'll confess I was a little skeptical i was like how are we going to do a whole episode just on planets how are we going to talk about that what would that look like i haven't thought about that i mean i sure there are planets and environments i really love and bring you back to some really cool nostalgic feelings when it comes to star wars but man a whole episode of 30 45 minutes or maybe 50 minutes talking about planets how could that be well over christmas i had a member of my church um actually give me i don't know this is providence or or god's divine will or or the force working in mysterious ways but i i literally had over christmas uh, a church member gift me with a map of the star wars universe 
and you open it up and it has the inner rim, the mid rim, the outer rim and all the planets and all the stuff and how it's related to one another. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And so then I, I started deep diving on the internet and started looking at all these things and clearly looking at all the ecosystems, uh, ecosystems. I said echo because, you know, echo five radiant. Yeah, that's of course. Freudian slip there. Um, but the ecosystem, <laughs> that's intentional, the, the ecosystems and the aliens and the histories and uh, the cultures that are with star Wars. It is just, it, it's, it's an expansive, huge galaxy out there when it comes to Star Wars. And I had so much fun just exploring it. And there's no end in sight and, and looking at all of them. And I, I looked and studied and explored like 30 to 40 planets in the Star Wars universe. And I felt like I was only barely scratching uh, the surface. So today we're going to talk about these planets, what our favorite ones are, where we want to live, what's our deep cut, um, all, all that kind of stuff. But before we get into that, TJ, we have a little game. I did uh, – I, I looked up on the computer – you know, the computer's just filled with rankings and top 10 lists. And it could be top 10 favorite comic book characters, favorite 10 movies of all time, top 10, whatever. People love their top 10 lists. And so mm -hmm. I, I did that with Star Wars Planets. And of course, there's all kinds of opinions, all kinds of uh, thoughts uh, about what's the best and, and categories. But but can you guess? I don't know if you did this deep dive yet, and I told you not to cheat, but it, could you guess what you think the main consensus is when it comes to the top three, top three Star Wars planets in, in its franchise. Right. So I know none of my favorites are top three. <laughs> At least none of my top three are the top three. But uh, I, I've got to think Kashyyyk is on there. Okay. it's It's got to be up there. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to say Coruscant, but okay. I don't know, you know, how many people are just like anti-imperialist like that and just <laughs> eschewed Coruscant. Mm -hmm. But the other one really, like, I can't think of a third planet that everyone would think is like the sickest, mm -hmm. so to say. But I, I want to say Endor. I'm going to go, I'm going to assume they talked with the you know, 30 and up crowd. Yeah, right. Well, we are close. I think those those three you mentioned are definitely in the top 10. Uh, Kashyyyk is is up there in the top five, indoors and sometimes in, in the top five. You're right with Coruscant. Coruscant usually falls in the top three, uh, usually on number two, uh, the second best planet or mainstream popular planet. Number three is is Hoth just because people I don't know if people would want to live there in that environment but as far as like favorite planets or bring you back it, most people I don't know what to say most people I don't want to presume but but Empire Strikes Back is up there as their favorite movies of the franchise and Hoth that when we were first introduced to Hoth that was kind of like wow what's going on and then number one Tatooine uh, just because that seems like the hub and the wheel where everything happens. You have the chosen one from there, whether you believe the chosen one is Anakin or Luke. Uh, the Mandalorian happens there. Boba Fett right now, that whole TV show can't get off that planet. Uh, Tatooine. Wow. There's so much that happens on that planet. So usually that's number one. Um, but yeah, there you, you go through there and, and those are the top ones that hit the, the main beats of the top planets 
that are in the Star Wars universe. And and yeah, we we can look and see what people know. This is almost in the zeitgeist of pop culture. You say Tatooine, even if they're not a Star Wars fan, they're like, I know, I know what that is. Even like we're supposed to get snow perhaps this weekend uh, again, and the newscasters and uh, the weather forecasters uh, here just say, watch out. It's going to be, they'll, they'll drop in a Hoth reference or get you Tauntauns ready, that kind of thing, uh, even when they're doing the weather report. So I feel like it's right there in the zeitgeist of, of pop culture. Um, yeah. So they're all part of that. Uh, yeah, all right. I guess, so, you know, I should have seen that coming, but as an avid sand hater, I could never... No. I hate sand. It's coarse. <laughs> rough. Irritating. Gets everywhere. Gets everywhere. Man. If somebody grew up on the beach. Uh, and we'll talk a little more about the other plants too. Um, yeah, it is, it is weird. I, I despise glitter. And I would not even... You know, having two daughters in the house, being a camp counselor, working with crafts, um, vacation Bible school at church, I just can't get around glitter at all. But I don't mind sand just because I grew up in it. I literally grew up in sand. I don't even remember the first time I was plopped down on the beach. So I I could spend all day in the sand. So you would think. But Tatooine, I haven't seen anybody surfing in Tatooine. Uh, so that's why I wouldn't want to live there. All right, shifting gears a little bit. Uh, let's talk about our favorite... Star Wars planet, and then talk about our deep cut Star Wars planet. Um, and then it could be one and the same or a different one. Which planet would you want to live on in the Star Wars universe? Did you go first? Let's start with you and I will share what our um, favorite mainstream planet. All right. So my favorite mainstream planet uh you know, I had an answer before we started this episode, and now I'm second-guessing myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll do honorable mentions later. We'll do honorable yeah, mentions yeah. later. We can lift it up, yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh, so I'm going to go with Camino. Just okay. the design of Camino was always so sick to me as a kid. Like, I don't care if it's just this one, like, oil rig-esque cloning facility in this massive ocean planet. I just thought it was so cool. And I, I love water. I just don't like sand. <laughs> Which, you know, when the whole planet is water, that's, you know, that's a big plus in my book. And it's just, you play there a lot in Battlefield, or Battlefront 2, the old one. Mm -hmm. okay. At least I did, because uh, it was my favorite. And it was just so cool. I love outside in the rain, always raining. So much water and really Stormy. cool sea life. You know, when you get to end the Clone Wars and you get to see Caminos, I really like. But I really love that planet. It's gorgeous to me. Yeah, that's cool. And so it, it, that planet made its debut in Attack of the Clones. And, and as you shared, it's, it's the cloning facility. Uh, what's the alien race that's in charge of clo uh, uh, clones? Caminoans. Caminuans, yeah, there you go, from the planet. And and so the whole planet's water? Is there any land at all? Or is the whole planet water? So I I'm pretty sure there's no land above the water. I could mm -hmm. be wrong, but I definitely don't remember any. Yeah, so it's kind of like Bespin with the um with the cloud city. It's a, there's a lot of gas planets in or in our solar system and in the Star Wars universe, and there's uh gas planets that don't necessarily have any um, land. And so 
uh, you have to either figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to live. So you have these hovering crafts or space stations or things like that. So, um, yeah, Camino is a good one. Um, I'll, I'll share my favorite uh, mainstream. I, I really like and it, we also have within the Star Wars universe these ha- habitable moons. Uh, so you have the big planet and then you have moons that, that revolve. Oh, you guys know what moons are revolve around the big planet. And so there's even like speculation that like Jupiter has lots and lots of moons. And perhaps there's a ha- habitable planet going around Jupiter like that has um, an atmosphere and water and ecos- ecosystem, that kind of thing. So so Star Wars plays off that where you have these huge, huge gas planets and then a moon that revolves around it and, and a habitable moon. So so the habitable moon that, that I like um, planet is, is Yavin. And probably because it's, you know, when we first saw Yavin coming off of Tatooine and the original A New Hope episode four, uh, you saw Tatooine, uh, then you, you, were, you were set on the Death Star, which is no moon. We can't classify that as a planet. Although in one of the top 10 lists, somebody said one of the best planets in Star Wars is the Death Star. I was like, wait a minute, that's not a planet. It's no moon. It's a space station. Come on. Um, but Yavin, you saw like this crisp blue sky and the green trees and you hear the sounds of the forest. You're like, wow, what a cool planet. So, so for me, and that was where they housed the rebel base. And you're like, cool. That, that is a place that, that I would want to visit and hang out with um, or be on. So, so yeah, yeah. Yavin. Another the great Rebel, map. Rebel base again. Yeah, great map in Battlefront, too. Cool. Yeah, I got to play Battlefront. You got to. You got to. <laughs> really old ones, though. They rebooted it. Yeah. I don't think they're as good, but they're definitely easier to play. There you go. All right, so what's your, um, what's your deep cut planet? So my favorite deep cut planet is pretty much a ripoff of Camino. It's uh, it's called Manon, which made its first okay. appearance in Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic in 2004. That is so deep. That's deeper cut than my deep cut. That's for sure. But it's pretty much the same water planet. It's where the Selkath are from, which uh, the only canon Selkath in the series are in the Clone Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. Their names are Chata and Montu, I want to say. Okay. And uh, they're bounty hunters. See them in the Clone Wars. Cool guys. Fish heads. Amphibious. It's, nice. Uh, and it's where, you know, the galaxy got their Colto, which is what Bacta replaced. Oh, you know? look at there. Look you teaching you know? me something. Okay. At yeah, least, what are the roots of in the history of Bacta, um, in the Bacta tank? So that's that's kind of where they they got that from. Yeah, so Bacta is, I want to say Bacta is from one of the planets in the New High Republic novels because mm-hmm. they're using a couple. They've used like three different magical healing fluids, mm-hmm. and each one's just better mm-hmm. than the last. But I can never remember like the newest one. Yeah. Yeah, that medical technology, which shows up in the Book of Boba Fett um, over and over again. So um, still holding water, as you say, uh, going mm-hmm. around. Um, yeah, so that's a good, good deep cut. Um, I My deep cut isn't necessarily that deep because it was just in the, um, the Rise of Skywalker. But in that movie, they visit another moon of, of Endor, 
where Death Star 2 crashed into. And they're looking, it's called uh, Kefbur. I think that's how you say it. And, and it's that that image, man, when they showed the trailer or the image of Ray and Finn looking at the wreckage of Death Star 2 and they're looking across the sea and you see these huge monstrous waves breaking, I immediately thought as someone who grew up on the beach and, and grew up surfing and still loves, loves to surf, I was like, man, that's rideable. Oh, are we going to see surfing in Star Wars? Are we going to see surfing in Star Wars? And she took that skiff across the across the ocean to get over to uh, Death Star Two and the wreckage. But but I was like, man, I, there's a possibility we're going to see surfing in in Star Wars. So I that planet. Um, where it was, I'm sure it had its problems, uh, environmental problems with the wreckage of a whole space station. But just seeing that environment of the grass and the trees and also that ocean with those waves breaking, I was like, I want to go to there. Yeah. Yeah, it was gorgeous. That's probably my favorite part of The Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything else is tied for last. <laughs> Right. Um, all right. So out of those planets, um, it could be the same one. Which planet would you want to live on? If you were going to hang out or make your home base in the Star Wars universe, um, what, where, where would you go? So I really want to say I'd choose to live on Coruscant, but I feel like I would become a statistic pretty quickly. If you know what I mean, because I can't afford to live in the upper levels of the city. Right. That's out yeah. of the question. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. But I'm going to ignore that and say I would choose to live on Bespin instead and pretend I could ah. afford to live in Cloud City. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's incredible. It is gorgeous. Basically the exact opposite of my favorite planets, but <laughs> it seems <laughs> a lot more one. hospitable. Yeah. Yeah. I, if I was going to live on a planet, definitely Naboo. I mean, it's talk about, uh, the, the gorgeous water and the fields. I mean, I, I think, uh, visually George Lucas really, really outdid himself with that particular planet. Um, you know, some, some other planets I thought of, uh, well, you know, of course I'm, I revolve around beach and, and water. So, um, I was thinking of Scarif and, Rogue One because it's so tropical and you get to think, but then I was thinking, man, I don't want um, to be blown up on that planet, you know. Um, but if it was before the Empire got there and did, it were doing its thing, what a cool planet that that looked like and be a part of. It was really cool to see in the at walkers walking through the trees and the palm yeah. trees and this kind of tropical Caribbean like um, environment uh, there there in the solar system. And that's where I really admire about this experience universe as I went down that road of, of thinking of all the environments and, and ecosystems that are part of the stars universe. Yeah. They, they went from uh, sand to then green forest, and then they went to an all snow planet and then they, all these water plants. And then, uh, like you said, Coruscant, they have, it's, it's just riddled. There's no like organic life that you see glowing. I don't even know how they get oxygen. Maybe they just pump it through some air filters, but, or that's been dealt somewhere. And and who runs the traffic system? If there's a spaceship accident in space, who, what police are going to do write up that report, but it's super busy. Um, but man, there's just so many cool planets, um, out there, uh, in that universe. Oh yeah. Um, I just, I love the idea. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, you know, shout out Coruscant. Unfathomably large city planet. That's awesome. 
Uh, I got a shout out. Uh, Kashyyyk, obviously. Mandalore, yeah. one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not choosing to live there. Ever. Uh, Malachor and, and 5. Kashyyyk is another, Kashyyyk is another planet. That, that's the planet where the Wookiees are, Wookiees are from. Chewbacca's home planet. And, and again, it's another forest uh Plant lots of trees. They live in tree houses. How fun would that be? They live in tree houses with a bunch of Wookies. And if they're like supposed to be an example of like canines and partnership and loyalty when it comes to that, because that's the kind of root of George Lucas looking at his dog riding the front seat of his truck and going, "Ah, oh, man, would it be cool if if Han Solo had a loyal loyal friend sitting as co-pilot in, in his spaceship. So if, if Wookiees really are the dogs of uh, canines of the Star Wars universe, who wouldn't want to live on a planet filled with Wookiees and, and tree houses? So um, that's definitely an honorable mention for me. Me. It looks so humid. <laughs> it looks so humid on that planet. I don't think I'd be able to take it. There's no way. And you know that Wookiees probably don't smell great. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just, it's not I'm just possible. assuming things. It's not possible they smell it's great. It's not possible they smell great. It's just not. <laughs> I don't uh, care how much fiction is in the science. It's not possible. Yeah, I mean, I guess Han was like the Tauntauns. He thought they smelled bad, but didn't say anything about um, about Chewy. Uh, Leia called him a walking um, carpet, but uh, she didn't mention anything about them smelling. So maybe, maybe, maybe they do smell. All right. I, I, you, you mentioned a, you're mentioning a planet before I interrupted with, with Kashyyyk, but what, what was the other one you, you said? Uh, probably Onderon. Uh, Malachor five okay. is what I was going to say. A couple more of my, you know, got to represent the Knights of the old Republic planets. I just, okay. It's, it's entirely different when you get to go to the planet and walk around in it, which is why, mm-hmm. You know, all of my favorites are ones that you I got to play on in video games. But Malachor 5 was just basically a comet, honestly, uh, by oh, wow. the time they were done with it. Because a whole, uh, whole bunch of Jedi died on Malachor 5. Okay. And Mandalorians. But if you're, if you're okay with reading non-canon stuff or playing it, please play Knights of the Old Republic. One and two. Cool. Yeah. But it's great. And Onderon is like a non-blown up version of Alderon, pretty much. More or less. That's it. I think that's it for honorable mentions. Uh, yeah. Well, I could Alderaan, shout out Do we ever all see, like, yeah, I could shout out all these. I have a long list here. I'm not going to bore everybody. But Alderon, you know, that planet that was blown up originally in, in New Hope. And Leia talks about being a peaceful planet and and had out the outsourced of the rebellion. Um but I don't know if we've seen too much of actually the environment of Alderaan in the main movies, per se. I'm sure there's some books and some some animated stuff or, or even video games. But we really don't know much about the history of Alderaan and, and its environment and its play in kind of the larger Star Wars universe. I wouldn't mind seeing more, more of that. Uh, I do think that uh, Star Wars kind of – in order to – you know, and I'm part of that too uh, – uh, appease the fan base and scratch that nostalgia itch. They'll create new planets. They look a lot alike uh, the planets we love. So, um, you know, you have Jakku in The Force Awakens, but it's basically Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Um, you have um, Crate uh, in The Last Jedi, which is kind of neat, but that's basically Halt except um, Hoth, except not with snow, but with with salt. So it, it draws back this image of, of this kind of white mineral uh, planet. 
Um, and then, and then you think of like things like the Death Star, it's no moon, but it's a space station, but shaped like a planet. And then Starkiller Base, it's a, um, they literally turned a planet into a Death Star. So is it a planet? Is it a space station? Is it both? Starkiller Base, how would you classify it um, as a planet? And, and, you know, let's be honest, we're still doing that in our own solar system. You know, Pluto got uh, downgraded uh, from a planet to some um exo something or another mm-hmm. and exo people still planet. argue exoplanet so people still argue whether pluto is a planet or not and they're still trying to discover the sun still has lots of our sun still we're still discovering things that have are caught in its gravitational pull and, and orbit so we may discover new planets all the time uh so so that whole who who's the one that that decide and classify planets or not and uh but it's cool it's cool world building universe building to think about these things in the environments and what it would be like and the aliens that live there and you know there it doesn't go too deep in the kind of the evolutionary um biology of all these all, all these things but but if we come from you know and all that whole thing that they live in boba fett like they 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 mentioned that tatooine uh wasn't always a desert planet but it was like had oceans and mm-hmm. water and so, okay, what's that history? What happened there? Um, the sand people, the Tuscans, were uh, the original um, people or beings or species there on that planet. They remember a time when it was water. So what happened to make it all sand? So those are good things to think about and explore uh, when you're talking about these things, which yeah. leads to my point of at first it was like plants. We can talk about plants, but man, you just go through a whole bunch of uh stuff through your head and imagining and world building imagination that's kind of the sci-fi when it's at its best that's what it does it opens up your imagination yeah i do gotta say uh if you play knights of the old republic on manon they do explain uh how the cell cath kind of evolved at least a little uh, okay you gotta because you have to go fix uh some reactor under you know the oceans of manon which is gorgeous, by the way. And uh, your Cellcath guide is like, oh, you know, there are electromagnetic sharks down there. We used to be <laughs> them. It's not a big deal. Cool. Just don't try to kill too many of them. Nice. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, yeah, well, well, Joshua was going to be with us uh, today. We got caught in traffic, not feeling well. So so a couple of things we wanted to lift up that he wanted to share and chime in with this. Um, he asked the question and and kind of when we were working out the outline and thinking through this episode, um, that to ask the question, what what do we think is is better or what do we um, like the most or, or what are our thoughts on or hot takes on which is better, the CGI planets or – on location, real environments that they're using to shoot uh, these scenes and these movies and shows that we like. Uh, what do you think, TJ? So, a lot of people fault the prequels for using too much CGI. And oftentimes, mm-hmm. they'll cite the planetscapes as CGI. They aren't. What they are right. is modeled. They're modeled, and then the actors perform the scene and get chroma keyed into this little model of the planetscape. And I think they look great. It takes a ton of effort. I can't really point out when one is there or not. Hmm. And it's significantly cheaper than shooting on location and building a set. And then when you're done, you can auction off the models and I would love to have one. 
that's it's cool. so cool. But it's a really cool process. You can look it up. Uh, I don't remember the exact term, uh, but I choose that over CGI and on set because you can get really fantastic and make it look really realistic. Yeah, that that's cool. And I, I think kind of the history of the creation of Star Wars, yeah, Lucas had to use practical uh, costumes and effects and go on location for the original trilogy. And, and that added to um, kind of the vastness and, and kind of the eye pleasing appeal to this, but he was also using big screens and, and, and models and using the, the top notch special effects of the day to create uh, the visual spectacle that is, that is star Wars. It still holds up. You watch it today. It's, it's an old movie and it, it still holds up. Um, but then when he got to the prequels, he had the technology, the computer, uh, the CGI and, and yeah, he went crazy. Even before the prequels came out, he was toying around with adding scenes to the original, um, trilogy, right. With the new release and the new, uh, theatrical release in the late nineties, he was, he was inserting, uh, Banthas and, uh, uh putting Jabba the Hutt in places where maybe he shouldn't be uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> adding scenes. So he was adding to the visual of what he could do in the prequels, kind of practicing. And then uh, with the prequels, he, he used a lot of C- CGI, but but he wanted that to be a different time in the history of the Star Wars universe. He wanted it to be crisper and shinier and these shiny chrome uh, spaceships. Yeah, it didn't look old and tattered and under the 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 thumb of uh, oppressive empire that it was a different kind of time in history and then you move to the the sequel trilogy and, and kind of a mix of the both they could do they use practical effects jj abrams wanted to use kind of practical um effects and and costumes right along with the cgi so it's kind of a mix of the two and i think the mandalorian and shows like boba fett are, are doing the same so i don't it, it is like what what is distracting is the cgi or even now you're the technology of de-aging actors and actresses who are already dead and bringing them in to the movies again. What's, what's the ethics behind that? I'm sure if the family said, sure, yeah, use their likeness, use their voice um, and use them as a CGI and say rogue one, what, what's the balance of practical and the technology of, 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 of using those special effects to help us draw into the movie um, could be, if it's done well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm for both. It's not mm-hmm. an either or for me. Uh, I will say early 2000s might have been a little bit too soon to go try and go for full CGI characters. Right. Uh, a lot of them like didn't Yoda. age well. <laughs> like Yoda. <laughs> Jar Jar. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I guess you could talk about that in, in real world. Um where we are in our present day context too, there's this emerging technology of virtual reality of augmented reality, the VR goggles you put on and play games. And, you know, you have the whole thing of what it could be at some day. Are we going to end up becoming like the movie ready player one and just live in this kind of different world separate from ours? Where is reality um, rooted and where is virtual reality? We're, we're exploring that and thinking through that when it comes to even our church life and community life, when we do virtual worship as opposed to in-person worship. Yeah, I'd rather us all be in the same room, but when we can't because of a global pandemic or uh, we're going to get snowed in or someone's homebound and can't join us for worship, then, yeah, they can join us for our broadcast or virtual reality or or, or live stream what we're doing. So it can be a both and. We don't want to take away one from the other, but the technology can lead us to expand how we understand the universe and ourselves. And 
even those with disabilities who can't experience the world, the real world, the same way those who of us who who don't have those disabilities that maybe perhaps they can experience through virtual reality, augmented reality, um, a whole different experience of opening their world and how they experience reality around them and using their senses and abilities. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. Hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, Joshua, what did we really wanted us to mention, and TJ, you said this particular song is literally on your favorite playlist and that you probably listen to it once a week. What, what is, there's a song out there about a Star Wars planet that I guess is catchy enough that that's still in your Spotify playlist. What song would that be? You know, he's got to be talking about Sunset Over Manon, which is from the uh, house music album Star Wars Headspace in 2016. Uh, I'm joking, but that is a real song. Okay. okay. And I do listen to it at least once a week as well. Uh, okay. But take note. The song he was talking to, uh, talking about, was uh, Tatooine from the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special, which, <laughs> you know, I, I do hear it uh, at least once a week. It's called We Love Tatooine. You know, classic Phineas and Ferb music. They do a little rapping, lyrically sound. They're just messing around in Tatooine. And they're brothers. They're step. No, they don't share a gene. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Tatooine's kind of the perfect planet for them, as they mentioned yeah. in said song. Uh, with two sons, it's summer all year round. There you go. Always summer. Two sons, it's always summer. And Phoenix and Ferb, you know, they have all... Th- their their whole exploration adventures happen during the summer. So why wouldn't you want a planet that's that's always summer? Summer, um, yeah, super super fun. Yeah, we didn't even mention planets like Exegol, and who would want to live on that one? Or or Kessel, the the spice mines of Kessel. Uh, we didn't even mention um, Octu, that place where Luke. Uh, separated himself from the force on this Jedi planet that uh, beautiful mountain range and beautiful scenery uh, with, with I think two sons as well. And, and Dagobah. water around. Yeah. Dagobah. We didn't mention this one, but I think probably because that's definitely in the top 10 uh, list that of course, the main star Wars planets, when you Google it on, on whatever device you're on, but, but yeah, in terms of wanting to live there uh, or, or explore it. Uh, mm, yeah. Um, yeah, but there's, there's, there's ton. I, if you like the star Wars universe, you like our own solar system, you like to explore cosmology and, and space star Wars, a neat place to imagine and, and, and project and think through. And, and I think it relates, uh, to what, um, we are in our own world in terms of what we're learning and, and physics, astrophysics, there's even a major, uh, and degrees and people who have doctorates in astrobiology who are exploring the cosmos and thinking what would life look like on other planets in our own solar system and, and beyond, whether it's a microbe or whether it's um, you know an insect or a single-celled organism to a complex-celled organisms uh, that have big brains and consciousness, consciousness like ourselves. Maybe there's a planet out there that, have, that are all underwater and there's, you know, like... The octopus, it could be happening yeah. out there. But the world is a big place. The world where octopi grew thumbs. Yeah. Terrifying. Opposable thumbs. 
It is terrifying. Maybe they're nice. I don't know. Wow. What if there's like conscious, um, as we think about like the philosophical, theological and, and scriptural aspects of these things, we wanted to share a verse from the Psalms. I think my, I immediately thought of, of Psalm eight, when I think about cosmology, I love looking at the stars and studying planets and thinking about, um, the grand nature of the universe and our place in it. And so, uh, in Psalm eight, uh, verse starting verse three, the psalmist uh, prays or sings or uh, creates poem that says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? And so you can imagine the person who wrote that psalm looking up at the stars, imagining the universe and thinking about their place in it. Uh, and then Psalm 147, starting with uh, verse 7. I'm sorry, 148, verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all the deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind filling his commands, mountains and all the hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and the cattle, creepy things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, young and old together. Let all of them praise the name of the Lord, for God's name alone is to be exalted. God's glory is above heaven and earth. And so as we think through these these planets and solar systems and cosmology, hopefully they can draw you into the mystery of, of God and the creator behind it all and our place in it. Uh, TJ, anything comes to mind for you when you hear those verses and thinking about the planets and the solar system and cosmology? I've always been a big planets guy. Uh, mm -hmm. I've never been able to identify the other planetary bodies in the Bible. Uh, but it is, you know, it's great to hear someone who can. Right. Yeah. Right. So, no, thank you for that. Uh, because I've just never been able to do it. I, you know, yeah, I, mean, I, I just don't have enough was, experience. Right, right. Well, definitely in the Psalms and the kind of the poetry wisdom books, there's this sense of looking out at the stars beyond ourselves and and being in awe of the cosmos. And yeah, their science, their science didn't allow them with these, you know, fine, fine uh, telescope telescopes to be able to look beyond was with their own eyes, what they could see beyond our solar system and galaxies and black holes. They couldn't look way back, you know, millions and billions of years or whatever our, our origin story is in our cosmos. But but they could use the science of their day, which was their naked eye and their own math, their own wandering imaginations about their place in the universe. And so I think humans have always been asking the same questions of who am I? Where did I come from? Where are we headed? And then what's my place in all this? And if is there a creator behind it all? And does this God love me or not? Uh, what what is my place in relation to the one who set all the stars in their motion? Uh, which is cool about sci-fi because you can speculate, you can think, you can imagine, you can put humans in different environments to help work through those questions that that won't leave us alone about who we are, where we're headed, and and, and our origins. Right. You can't forget the eternal human question. What's over there? <laughs> exactly. Let's go see. Let's go see. Like 
Like Ray standing on that ledge, looking at the wreckage of Death Star 2 and going, what's over there? Mm -hmm. I got to go over there. And so she hops on her huge paddleboard and and skiffs on over through the waves. Or, you know, JFK in 1965 pointing at the moon and saying, what's over there? Yeah, that's crazy that we've been on with it. And we're still doing it. We still we we're, we're making spaceships. We're releasing a lot of billionaires out there making spaceships and thinking about uh, heading to Mars and putting our feet on Mars or other planets. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, so we hope you like this episode. If if there's a favorite planet you want to share with us or something we didn't touch on that we didn't think about. Um, our brains can only hold so much and we only have so much time to talk about it. So if you have other things you want to share, let us know on, on Facebook or on Twitter, we're on Instagram. We have our own website, systematicecology.org that you can, you can message us and let us know and be happy to interact. I think it's a cool discussion about uh, what's your favorite and, and what draws you into the wonder of the big questions that, that we all ask. Um, TJ, um, any recommendations, anything going on these days that, that you want to invite other people to geek out with you on? If you have a PlayStation 4 or 5, uh, you should absolutely pay for PlayStation Now. It's a subscription service that lets you stream games, as in play them without downloading them. And there's hundreds of games on there, great ones. And it's had us geeking out over like five or six different fighting games over the past few days in my apartment. Most notably, the Deadliest Warrior games, which were <laughs> awesome. So definitely check that out. And if you don't have a PlayStation, uh, you should watch The Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend that as well. TJ and I talked about the character, and then we talked about the first couple episodes. By the time this comes out, um, there's a couple more episodes that are out, and, and the latest one, Chapter 4, has so far is my favorite one, and and really, really cool. So uh, love to see where this is going, and can't wait to talk about it when it's all said and done, for sure. Uh, my recommendation is if, if you have a subscription to Disney+, Plus. Uh, you go over to the icon that says Star Wars and you click on that and you'll see all the movies and then you'll see the animated shows. You'll see the um, the shows like The Mandalorian, Boba Fett. But there's also this this other thing you can click on um, where it's called Biomes, B-I-O-M-E-S. If you click on that, man, you're going to get the environments and the planets. It's like a 12 to 15 minute um meditative kind of uh, hypnotic flyovers of these planets that we've been talking about, uh, mainly like Tatooine and, and Hoth and uh, planets that I don't know the name of that are in the Mandalorian. Uh, but, but yeah, it gives you kind of the scenery flyover of these, of these planets. And as I watched, I can't help but think about our own planet. Of course, there's a lot of um, cool like nature, Movies and documentaries showing us the the how vast and diverse our planet is and the call to take care of it. And as as I see these imaginary ones in Star Wars, I can't help but think of our own planet and how we're called to take care of it and how we're interconnected with all the species and insects and animals and uh, the atmosphere and the the water and the sand and the sea, all of it, how it's all interconnected. So so yeah, go over to Star Wars. Uh, click on that. They have another one called um, Galaxy of Sounds, 
which is kind of fun. It's just the sounds of Star Wars. And it would seem like, man, this is one of the nerdiest, geekiest things I've ever listened to. But it's so much fun. It's There's great. one called Vehicle Vehicle Flyovers, uh, where they only had like two, like one, a, a Death uh, a Death Destroyer and um, a Star Destroyer and, and the Millennium Falcon. But, but all three of those just kind of exploring, taking some of the major kind of sound, music sounds out of these settings in the movie and just letting you see them on their own is, is a lot of fun. Very soothing, very meditative. All right. Yeah. No, I love those. Super fun. Well, thanks, y'all. Appreciate it. Uh, if you want to know more about us, hit the website. We also have a Patreon page that we hope that you can um, support us and explore. We'll have exclusive content through Patreon, some movie reviews. I'm going to hop on there pretty soon uh, to share some of our um uh, comic book picks of the week I've on social media I've been posting some of my favorite new comic book day picks of the week and uh, I'll be talking more in depth about what's in those stories and some of those story arcs and how fun it is so uh, again thanks for being here and we're glad that you could be a part of our solar system and also remember we are a chosen people a geekdom of priests This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazao Ministries podcast network.